This episode of The Working Experience is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their child's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into your Still Believe video to amaze your children. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the Tooth Fairy and Santa and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is free to download and also has in-app purchases. So for $3, you can catch the Tooth Fairy in your home. The Still Believe app is available for the iPhone on the App Store and Android on Google Play. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. And that's S-T-I-L-L-B-E-L-I-E-V-E dot C-O. The Still Believe app was created by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John, J-O-H-N, at OneCircleMedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio, and that's J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his Sexual toenails at the desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. This is Matt. And John, and welcome to another episode of the Fearless Podcast, The Working Experience. We'll go there. I don't know why I said I don't know why I said fearless. Oh, it's fearless. We'll go there. Then we'll edit it heavily, redact. I'm always saying take that okay. out, take that deny, out. Deny, deny. I've never, I never said it. <laughs> well, speaking of going there, I'd like to uh, start off a new segment, brief segment, because um, we like to kind of spread our wings here. I am known as a uh, bit of a comedian, bit of an actor, uh, impressions. Very much so. So I have an impression I'll start us off with of um, and I, I got this because he's on he's on the new season of celebrity. And I use that term very loosely. Celebrity Big Brother. And we, oh. should, we should definitely look up the lineup of this new season, because, again, uh, this person is Anthony Scaramucci. 
which is really to me stretching the definition of celebrity. Like now, what, what is what is his nickname? Is it the Mooch the or Mooch. the Smooch? The Mooch. The Mooch. Yeah. yeah. Who, which is kind of a coincidence because we that was the nickname of a person we went to college with. Yes, it, it was. It's very very ironic. So here's my uh, impression of Anthony Scaramucci. <clears throat> Hey, I'm Tony Scaramucci. I'm from Long Island. I wear aviator sunglasses, all right? Hey, hey, I'm Anthony Scaramucci. I'm like five foot two. I run a hedge fund, okay? All right, hey. There you go. Bang. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I felt that our listenership just dropped. <laughs> that it literally fell off a cliff. Whoever's <laughs> listening to this uh, podcast for the first time, let me apologize, <laughs> not only for Matt, but for myself. Uh, hey, I'm sorry you had to go through smoke. that. <laughs> I'm from Long Island, all right? Come on, I run a hedge fund. <laughs> See, uh, hold on, listeners. Now, full disclosure, we did not have Anthony Scaramucci on as a guest. That was me. So yeah. I know there's probably some confusion out there. There's, there's, there's mass confusion out there that we actually had the Mooch on the podcast, but yeah. that was Matt. That was yeah. Matt. Oh, you know, as an interesting side note, uh, over Christmas, I think this was December 27th, I flew down uh, to D.C. to see my brother, my sister-in-law, and my nephew. Me and my mom flew down, and we were in Reagan National Airport, and who should walk by but Rudy Giuliani. Oh, sweet Jesus. I couldn't believe it was him, because he was only with, like, one other guy. Like, it was just him and some guy. And he's walking along. We were in the baggage claim area. I was waiting. Uh, we were waiting for my brother to come pick us up. And there weren't, you know, many people around at all because it was kind of right after the holiday season. And there he's walking by. And when I lived in New York, he was mayor for the entire time I lived there. And then it was Bloomberg. Um, but, yeah, it was really funny seeing him walk by. And he was using the word stalemate. And this was right at the beginning of the government shutdown. But I, I thought he would have kind of an entourage with him. And it was kind of funny because we were waiting in the jet blue baggage area. It wasn't exactly first class, you know. But he, I guess he's a private citizen, so he wouldn't have an entourage, I suppose. You'd think he'd have some sort of security around mm. him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody really... Uh... I think most people have written him off. I don't think he's high on a hit list. Well, he is on Meet the Press, and he is. Uh, it's always kind of fascinating watching him get on there and to completely contradict what he said 15 minutes before. And uh, no, it's it's a it's a complete circus. Yeah, I mean his 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 involvement now with Trump and politics it really has you know. Um, I guess reinforced my opinion that, you know, these politicians, they're just, they'll, they'll literally do anything. They, they will literally spin a story. They've got no sort of moral fiber. Like Rudy Giuliani is a poster child for that. Yeah, no, I know. And like 20 years ago, he's America's mayor. But that, you know, I didn't say anything to him. I was tempted to say like, wow, Mr. Giuliani, like, because it was so kind of strange to see him, but I'm not a fan of his. And 
I remember his administration was not known for kindness and gentleness. They were really kind of nasty. There were like three police shootings while he was mayor. And I remember one, he like trashed the victim and released his juvenile records. And it was just like, good Lord. Well, he, well, he was, uh, well, he was behind the whole like stop and frisk, right? Like you're just walking down, you've got no rights and you'd, you'd get felt up by a bunch of cops. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm kind of loath to defend him, but like I, you and I started college in 92 in the Bronx and that was like, things were still very wild. I mean, they were still like really, you know, there was a lot of crime. You can kind of see why people were like, all right, enough is enough. Like I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of, you know, not being able to take the subway or walk in peace or whatever. And he had the whole quality of life, broken windows thing. But then as with so many other things, it just, you know, becomes stop and frisk and, you know, um, you know, people getting hurt, mostly people in the minority community, I would dare say almost exclusively people in the minority community getting harassed, you know, like I'm not going to get, I mean, it, 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 I think I I would say, you know, I, I hate to defend Rudy Giuliani, but it, it did work. I mean, the fact they would, you know, the, the whole, fixing up the windows and fixing up neighborhoods and stopping all the, the petty stuff. I mean, the big thing was the squeegee guys, yeah. you know, getting those guys. And it, it did, you know, as the, as the neighborhood and community saw that, that there was zero tolerance to this, um, you know, statistically crimes, you know, they, they went down and it didn't prove, but it got to the point where it was almost, almost like a totalitarian state with, with the uh, stop and frisk. So, you know, and he's just uh, he's, not. No, he's well, I mean, now it's a whole different animal. But I would just to kind of wrap that up. I, you know, I have read where that worked out for certain segments of the population, meaning wealthier, whiter uh, areas of the city, whereas in other areas of the city, it was more just harassment and more of the, you know, it, crime didn't really drop. It sort of maybe took on a different form but in any event and it also it also filled up prisons with uh, yes. misdemeanor crimes yeah, absolutely. and people smoking pot which is now in 2019 is almost ridiculous yeah. but anyway let, we're we're um what are we we're like 10 minutes into this and we don't even know we we haven't even discussed our topic of today <laughs> uh well the anthony scaramucci that was that i mean you know, that's a segment. We could, like, we could wow. just end the podcast now. <laughs> that. that was that was a mic drop. Well, I guess then um, it's it's funny because the topic, the article that we're discussing is by Aaron Griffith. And uh, Aaron, you're probably listening right now and we'd love to have you on the podcast. I, I just assume she's probably tuning in. Uh, <laughs> so her um, article... And, and it's it's funny that you sent this because this does is very much in keeping with uh, what we've talked about and uh, things that I've thought about. Why are young people pretending to love work? And this was in the New York Times. Uh, I don't know the date that it was in there, but um, I, I think it's um, I think it's very January 26. Oh, so this was published yesterday. Oh, my. Um, We're on the shout out edge. to the to the New York Times. Um, one of the uh, I mean, obviously, we can 
our president believes that it's a, the failing New York Times and fake news. But it's um, <laughs> much it's like this rare, podcast, really. <laughs> much like the podcast, yes, we're in good company. Um, it's it's a rare, um, you know, journalistic uh, beachfront hold. Um, I mean, what what else is out there? So you got the New York Times, right? You got the Wall Street Journal. You've got uh, like the Washington I mean, what else? Post. I, I mean, would would you would you throw the Washington Post in there? Yeah, Washington Post, probably Chicago. What's it, the Chicago the Tribune? Tribune, the Tribune, uh, L.A. The L.A. Times, and then you have you know there's like the Buzzfeeds and the uh, yeah, but the Post. Buzz, but the Buzzfeeds of the world are there. The Huffington Posts of the world. That I mean, and also too, these publications too are are playing in that same sandbox where they have to get clicks. Like I don't know who buys newspapers anymore outside of my father, who's eighty three years old. I bought my one. father yeah, I called bought me up yesterday. yesterday. I bought one yesterday. Well, you, so Globe. you 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 and my dad are in good company. Yeah, I my dad purchased... calls me up yesterday and he's like, "Son, they they, uh, they stopped delivering the the Wall Street Journal to my uh, to my house there." You know they're 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 cutting back on the delivery schedule. I'm gonna see if I can get the paper delivered to your house, and then come to the house and pick it up every day. I'm like, Dad, you've got an iPad. Like I can set it up where you just click on the app icon, yeah. and then not only can you read that day's paper, but there's an archive of all the articles ever written that you can then peruse at your own leisure. Nope. Nope. He want he 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 sorry that instigated the son, I'm old school. I need a, I need that paper in my hand. I need to feel that physical paper yeah. as I leave through it. Yeah. I was like, all right, you know what? Just have it delivered to my house and, and come pick it up. I lost I lost the battle. <laughs> well I I bought one yesterday because I was waiting uh I was kind of early for something. So I was just, you know, I went to get a cup of coffee. I grabbed the newspaper. Plus I shave my head. So I need it to spread on the sink in the uh, bathroom and on the floor. So it comes in handy for that. Plus I also enjoy, I don't do them as much as I used to, but I used to like the crossword puzzle a lot. So occasionally I'll do that, which I realize you can do online, but I can't stand doing it online. Well, but. I, I think, uh, Aaron uh, Griffin coming on this podcast is a shoe in because yeah. the knowledge that you use her newspaper that she works for yeah. as a, um, a uh, as a canvas to catch your hairs. <laughs> yeah, is... but I read it. I mean, I read it first. Well, oh, this article, first. this is a case in point. I mean, you emailed me this article. I'm reading it online. I stopped my home delivery of the New Yorker. And, and I have it online just because they were piling up and I would read like maybe one article or possibly two, but a lot of times I couldn't get to them. Plus I was cutting down on reading books and I, I like to read books. So, and I'm not going to do the Kindle. I, I don't really like any of that. So Al and I, your dad and I, um, yes, we are kind of simpatico on that note, but I, I buy newspapers <laughs> maybe once a month. Like I don't, you know, and I use the library a lot. I don't. I don't really see the need to. Pay. I see. I don't. Um, you and I are, are cut from a different cloth. I don't. I get zero publications delivered, 
everything is online, but I don't, I, I still, I used to get the economist delivered, uh, fortune Forbes, wall street journal, Baron, New York times. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. The financial times. Uh, and I used to read all of them. Now I use different apps and, um, kind of news aggregators to get my news. And I read both sides, both the left, the right side, and the central side. And I think the Wall Street Journal might be possibly the most central out of all of them. But anyway, my, my point is um, the New York Times, from as much crap as they get, they're uh, one of the few where you could count on just one hand of you know a respectable journalistic organization. And obviously, they have their bents to the left. Granted, I mean, New York City is, is largely left. A lot of people who work for the New York Times are from New York City. So you do have to sometimes take it with a grain of salt. But in terms of deep dive research, um, I, I highly recommend them. Anyway, so the article um, is, why are young people pretending to love work? And I love this, right? So it's and and the caption under it is i saw the greatest my, minds of my generation log 18 hour days and then boast about hashtag hustle on instagram why did performative work workaholism become a lifestyle now i have dealt with some isms in my life uh workaholism's not been one of them i i've no, avoided you, that addiction. you are not the the poster child for this article would not be you. I uh, you know what I get really annoyed, and I was reading them in this article. These stupid catchphrases and words like grind, keep grinding, killing it, let's go, and then up here people love quoting like Bill Belichick, no days off, da da. I I just can't. It, it not just with these ones, but in general, when something comes into the public lexicon and then everybody starts talking like that, like keep grinding, keep like, oh my God, the hustle, keep hustling. Like well, it just it's, drives it's me the, nuts. You know, the, the, the tech industry has, uh, and you know, Silicon Valley has kind of overtaken this message. And you've got like the Elon Musk of the world, who's basically lauded as the next technology guru visionary who regularly logs 80, 90, 100 hour weeks. There's Gary, there's Gary Vaynerchuk from uh, VaynerMedia who um, proposed this message of hustle. You know, he, he routinely is at the office until 11, 12 o'clock at night. Uh, and then you also in the articles mentioned WeWork, which is where I have my offices for my agency of, you know, hashtag love work, hashtag hustle. Uh, it's it's in the um, it's all over the office of this this hustle mentality. And I got I got to tell you, it's and this is specifically towards millennials, but I am. I'm kind of like torn on this, right? I see the ridiculousness of it, but there's also, there's an inherent value in hard work and, you know, setting a goal and being patient and then achieving that goal over, you know, many years. And I'm sure you can agree with that. What I think is complete, you know, garbage and BS is this, um, like, 
in the article was mentioned that um, the Yahoo uh, chief executive at the very end of the article, how she uh, kind of choreographs working 18 hour days, Marissa Meyer, <laughs> uh, where she gave a speech back in 2016, in which she stated that working 130 hours a week was possible. Quote, if you're strategic about when you sleep, when you shower, and how often you go to the bathroom. <laughs> you, you literally, imagine like micromanaging your day to be like, if I'm gonna, I'm staring in the mirror, I'm like, listen, John, if you're gonna, if you're gonna hit 130 hours this week, you gotta hold that urination in. Yeah. You can't just be some little wimp no. and go to the bathroom. Stop drinking yep. and start grinding. Start <laughs> hustling. That's a it's, good. It, it, that's a good hashtag. It's just. It's just. It's. It's ridiculous. And it is this mantra that, like the article explains, that millennials have embraced, because, you know, they are, they are looking for something. Um, to inspire themselves, something bigger than themselves. And they're, and they're seeing work as that. And the article also mentions that religion has fallen off a cliff and that people are seeing this, um, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk and Elon Musk are the kind of like these, these gurus, these visionaries, these saviors that, you know, through hard work will come enlightenment, will come meaning, will come value. And the thing with all this stuff, and we've discussed this before with the likes of Tony Robbins and all these um, all these gurus, is there there are morsels of truth within the BS, right? So that's why it's so seductive to people because there are truths to this. Like there is truth in working hard, achieving something, and then getting personal value out of that. There is something to that. But I will tell you, if you put work above all else, if you work 130 hours a week, if you have to time out your bathroom breaks, you will burn out. You'll um, you'll become disillusioned, and it will end badly. It it, it is not something that. And, and the funny thing is, is like all of these. Um, proponents are and it's based it's it's startup culture too right so it's largely in the startup country culture but it is also in the corporate culture 98 percent of these um endeavors are going to fail so you're going to miss little johnny's basketball game you're going to you're going to ignore your wife you are going to work and then after five years you're going to get zero for it you're going to be in debt and then how, how's that going to look when, you, when you're staring yourself in the mirror with hashtag hustle tattooed on your forehead? Well, this guy, um, there were two people in here. And I, I really like uh, Miss Griffiths. Uh, she, she really comes up with some good ones here. Like, um, you know, when <clears throat> you mentioned the declining of, uh, you know, participation in, in faith and in church and that kind of stuff. And she calls it the congregants of the cathedral of perpetual hustle, spending time on anything. <laughs> that's a great one. Spending time on anything that's non-work related has become a reason to feel guilty. Uh, and she mentions this guy, Jonathan Crawford, a San Francisco based entrepreneur, told me that he 
sacrifice his relationships and gain more than 40 pounds while working on Store Envy, his e-commerce startup. If he socialized, he was at a networking event. If he read, it was a business book. He rarely did anything that didn't have a direct, this is in quotes, direct ROI or return on investment for his company. So like everything's governed by the ROI. Is this... Is having dinner out with my kids and wife an ROI? Am I getting a direct return on my investment? I don't think so. I'm losing. So forget that. I'm at the office with a sandwich. Yeah, and no, no one, uh, no one stops to ask themselves, like, what's the ROI on life? The ROI. Like, what, are, what, what are, like, what are you doing this for to to buy a nice shiny BMW? So you're always. You're always hustling out there. You know, it, it's, it, it's, and we, I, this is like a couple of days ago, I spoke with Jeffrey Pfeiffer, the author of Dying for a Paycheck. And we spoke about, you know, long hours. And there's research done that uh, after a certain amount, you have depreciating returns on productivity. So I, I believe it was 48 hours. So, after 48 hours a week, you your productivity just kind of slides into, you know, abysmal. And, and as you get up to 60, 70, 80, 90, um, it almost becomes a waste of time. And I can speak to this through experience from working on Wall Street and investment banking where I would log 100-hour work weeks. And for after, for me, I was young, For after about 70 hours, it was just a a corpse, a, a, a drone-like bag of meat sitting in front of a computer where <laughs> my output was maybe 10%, maybe 15%, and I would make mistakes. I'd just be extremely tired. But in those days, Matt, that was in my was it, 20, early 20s, I was, I was after the almighty dollar. I was hustling. I yep. was... You know, I was taking people's souls. I was working for the man and willing to win at all costs. Hey, which I which I still do. Check this out. See this? See that? Oh, see, I'm. I see it. See what I'm doing right now? I am working on the podcast hard, as everyone can hear. I'm also exercising. Got my hand exerciser going. I'm multitasking, grinding doing all that look at that isn't that yeah, amazing so for for those of you that are just listening matt Ooh, just picked that, up a more exercise <laughs> that that i believe was made in the 1960s <laughs> that my father i've so i've seen my father use what are you kidding and this that, is like cutting edge that's <laughs> that's matt that's matty k's form of quote-unquote working out yeah well actually that's it for the week too He's multitasking. Yeah, you got to shake that out. Shake, shake it out of the Jeez. hand. He's multitasking as he's delivering these intellectual tidbits. It's unbelievable. He's also he's also working his full body. Yeah, eat it, Physical Elon workout. Musk. Okay, yeah, eat it, eat it. Yeah. Uh, so that's Mr. Crawford, and then well, okay, so he changed his lifestyle. Realized it made him miserable. Now is an entrepreneur in residence at a f- at 500 startups, an investment firm, blah, blah, blah. 
tells his fellow founders to seek out non-work-related activities like reading fiction, watching movies, or playing games. Somehow this comes off as radical advice. It's oddly eye-opening to them because they didn't realize they saw themselves as a resource to be expended. I mean, this is how far we've fallen, where it's like you have to tell people to, like, read a book, to go do something else other than work. It was really depressing because uh, Charlie Baker, who's the governor of Massachusetts, he does like a, once a week or once a month, he's on the radio on like uh, Friday mornings or something like that. And he takes call-in questions and whatever. And uh, someone said, yeah, I heard you don't really have any hobbies. You know, you don't really and he's do, do anything else. And he said, well, yeah, I, I read. You know, I, I, I enjoy reading. And it sort of, it came up as like, I guess his wife said, well, that's not really a hobby. You're not doing anything. It's like, yeah, like, what are you supposed to be doing? Like, reading is not a, I mean, I don't even call it a hobby. I think, for me anyway, it's an essential activity. Like, I remember another teacher telling me last year he had read something. Somebody, I think it was on Buzz, BuzzFeed or Huffington Post, um, was talking about like short attention span and how he, as an adult, was having, you know, he was spending a lot of time online doing research and things like that. And he was having trouble focusing on a book or a magazine article, like even just reading it like a paragraph. And it really made him very uneasy. And it made me uneasy hearing that. You know, I want to be like, okay, I need to sit down and read, spend at least a half hour. So I make sure my brain can do it, you know, that I'm not just, I don't want to become like, what's that guy's name? Adam Schiff. He's an ESPN guy, sort of a reporter-ish. He spends his whole life on his phones and on Twitter. And I can only imagine. Oh, that's, that, that's what I aspire to. Oh, God. It's just just, like, just my Just my head, my head buried. I'd actually, um, I, I got a couple of points. So just talking about, you know. I mean, forget about like leisure. I mean, in the most extreme cases, telling people to go to the bathroom. I, 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 I mean, it, it's it, it's that point. And also, too, what the article uh, points out is th this is the rank and file, right? So this is a message coming from the top where, um, and this is this is statistic wage um, uh, wage uh, what's the term stagnation, right? So yeah. wages have stayed constant through, I think it's the last 20 years, or even has actually depreciated a little bit, come down a little bit. And, you know, you have the owners or these, you know, these visionaries, Elon Musk of the world, they're making all the money. Like Elon Musk stands to make $50 billion uh, if Tesla is, is profitable, is successful. But what about the workers who are working around the clock to make those Model 3s to meet the quotas? They, you know, maybe they get a little bonus. Maybe they're making $50,000, $70,000. They're not making $50 billion. So if you look at it, it makes sense for someone like Elon Musk to tout the, you know, hashtag hustle. Let's get out there and let's work 80, 90, 100 hours a week. And the, the real sad thing about it, the dark side of it is, is the workers are not even... Um, benefiting greatly for this extra hustle. So this this story that's being told, you're you're, you're being duped. Well, and um, 
you know, she makes the point or, or one of the people she talks to makes the point that this has been around since the 16th century. And they just, yeah, 16th century mercantilism in Europe. Uh, there's been an ongoing struggle by employers to venerate work in ways that distract from its unappealing features. And it, it's like if you work at a restaurant and you're going to make $10 an hour and the owner is, you know, making more and more money and you're never going to make more money. You're always going to make $10 an hour, but the owner's like, no, you got to show up for more shifts. You got to, you know, work longer and don't worry about overtime because it's going to benefit the business. You know, it's like, all right, but it doesn't benefit me. Like I don't have any stake. And I think a lot of that is, is just stake. Like what stake do I have in this? is one thing with like Elon Musk's company, like he has a huge stake in it and full disclosure. So do I, I own stock in Tesla. Um, uh, so, so you should, you should be right up there with, uh, Elon hustle Musk guys, touting this hustle. hustle. Let's go work harder. Yeah. Come on. Um, get, get back to work. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was just about to curse, but get back to work. Mofos, <laughs> everyone back to work, but you yeah, know, no, but yeah. it's, but but there and there are you know um, we're not crapping on the capitalistic model. There are um, incentives through stock options and people owning a piece of the business where um, you know their work uh, will directly affect the stock price and they'll be awarded for it um, lock and step. But then you don't but, have to sell it. Then I mean you don't you don't have to sell this BS about the virtues of work. Just say hey look guys, I want you all to have a 2% stake. Like I want you all to own stock in this. So if we work harder, we will all earn more money. That sells itself right there. Everybody's honest, straightforward. The business may fail. You may lose that money, but you know, we'll work rather than this, like it, and it comes from this Puritan work ethic that has never been able to like, it still persists in America, not just in new England, but like, if you work harder, you are a better person. And it's like, okay, well, that benefits Elon Musk, that idea, but it really doesn't, you know, tend to benefit people who are earning $12 an hour. So it's like, if your wages are not going up, how else do we sell this crap to you? Well, well, you're a better person if you keep grinding, you keep killing it, you're employee the month, you know, you, uh, we're going to give you, I don't know, some dumb, you know, swag from the company. If you perform better, you'll get a coffee mug. And it's just like, you know, guys, I hate yeah, to be but, cynical. It's like money talks, you know? Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I just to take the other side of that, speaking from personal performance, like if I, uh, personal experience, like if I uh, work really hard, on a project and I deliver the project and the client's happy or we hit certain metrics, I feel good, right? Yeah. If I go yeah. work out and I work really hard. I feel good. Um, but this is all on a, on a personal level. So well, you have I ownership believe in hard work, but I will say if I was working on the uh, assembly line for the model three for Elon Musk, and I was making $55,000 a year and I had to work eight nights in a row and I had Elon Musk coming up with pom poms yeah. telling me I've got to work long. I'd be, or if I was working at Dunkin' Donuts right. or if I was working at McDonald's, I wouldn't have that same um, attitude. You know what I mean? If Or if I was pushed to work overtime and not being paid for it. I mean, I could list multiple examples. So 
there is um, there is value in it again, and it's going back to the point that there are these these bits of truth in it. It's this is not a black and white issue, um, but it's 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 interesting. It's interesting what the article brought up, and also I wanted to go back to when you were talking about that. Who's the ESPN reporter who's stuck on his phone all day? What was his name? Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. So I am uh, creating something called um, the Human Horn, which is a product that you wear. Okay. So in uh, major cities like New York and Boston and LA, I'm always walking down the street and everybody is just looking at their phone, right? So you're looking at your phone, you're tweeting, you're... Instagramming, yep. you're TikToking, whatever you're doing, right? And you bump into people and it's annoying. So I've created a little circular device that's a horn. So just like you have a, cor- a horn in your car, you can blast your horn at these people <laughs> so they'll get out of your way. Yeah. And then likewise, the human horn also has um, a, a series of LED flashing lights. So if you're the idiot on your phone, you can put these lights on so people can can avoid you. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and the the idea the idea came to me because in uh, Denmark there were so many uh, pedestrian fatalities um, with cars because people were looking at their phones and not looking up at the walk and do not walk signs. So they actually put them in the uh, on the street. So when people are looking down and they come to a crosswalk, they'll see the green walk or do not walk because everyone's attention is diverted downwards into their phone. I don't know if that's just enabling the situation, but uh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm a, how- I, I'm a, I'm a capitalist at heart, Matt. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Well, you know, that is something that might actually be useful to people. My, my thing when I was thinking about Mr. Crawford and, uh, you know, is he the ROI guy. And now he's on to some, he's entrepreneur in residence at 500 startups. And uh, the next person here was Bernie Klinder. And it says, it's easy to become addicted to the pace and stress of work in 2019. Bernie Klinder a consultant for a large tech company, said he tried to limit himself to five 11-hour days per week, which adds up to an extra day of productivity. That's another big buzzword. If your peers are competitive, working a normal work week will make you look like a slacker. Still, he's realistic about his place in the rat race. I try to keep in mind that if I drop dead tomorrow, all of my acrylic workplace awards would be in the trash (laughs) the next day, and my job would be posted in the paper before my obituary. uh, That's such a a depressing thought, and I love the term acrylic, his acrylic trophies. Workplace awards, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like soccer trophies. Everything that you've you've told away for countless hours is in a plastic medal. <laughs> well, the thing is too that it occurs to me is all this is so or a lot of this is so ego driven. Like this thing, you know, going back to Jonathan Crawford, and he's working a hundred hour weeks for his e-commerce startup. Like this is not curing cancer. You know what I mean? Like, what exactly? And we were talking about this last time with Facebook, like, and people working this whole, you know, all these hours, 
and all of their self-esteem is wrapped up in what Facebook thinks of them as a worker. And what are they actually producing? Like what, what actual, like, do we need another e-commerce business out there? Like, is that really necessary? It doesn't, and you know, Clinder is a consultant for a large tech company, whatever the hell that means. You know, it's like, it, it's so ego driven, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so important that I've got to spend 80, 90 hours a week on this amazing new app that's going to allow me to, I don't know, navigate my way to the refrigerator. Like, you know, it's just like, I mean, <laughs> hey, some you're, things... you're, uh, you're, you're just dumping crap on my entire life, my <laughs> entire existence. Well, no, no, I mean, some you're, things but, are, no, you're, no, some things no, are nice. They're for entertainment. And, and they're good. I mean, they add value. They add quality to life. And that, that's that's wonderful. That's I mean, we need toys. We need games. We need entertainment. I mean, I just spent a lot of time on this short film. You know, is it necessary to society? Not really. Probably takes away from society, if I'm to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> I enjoy it. And honestly, I didn't work 100 hours a week on it. You know, we, we did it. And it took some time. And fine. But like, I don't know. Just like... Like this woman who works for Yahoo, like what is she actually doing? Like what does she actually produce that she has to work 130 hours a week and not go to the bathroom? Like I would love to know what is Marissa I mean, it, 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 doing? It boils down to, so for Yahoo, it boils down to the fact of gaining people's attention and then selling ads against it and selling your data to other companies. Wonderful. And that holds true for Facebook. Wonderful. All Facebook does is they want you to go on Facebook. So they want your attention and they want it to become addictive to you, right? So that they could sell your your preferences, your likes, like, oh, I like this. I searched for this. I found, oh, I like this new handbag. Boom. Add, 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 add. And, and then on top of that, sell your data to third-party vendors. So Facebook is quote unquote free, but it's not free because you are giving them your time, your posts, and your content. So if tomorrow everyone decided to ban Facebook, or not go on Facebook, Facebook would implode, would become, would go to zero. So by you posting the pictures, by you putting up posts, by you interacting with people, you are feeding that machine. Same thing with Yahoo. It's all about attention. Same thing with Instagram, all of these companies. So what value are they contributing to society? Well, someone in Facebook might say, well, we're a social network. Matt, we're, we're there to connect you with your family and friends and give you these wonderful memories so that you can easily reach out and stay connected with people. And then someone like myself or yourself would take the other side of that, where that social aspect should really be an in-person. So we bring the, we, the, the most value we get is through our interactions, our real life interactions with family and friends and colleagues and not, you know, it's like how many, how many of your friends on Facebook are really your friends? Like if you called me tomorrow, all of them, or, all of them, all of them, anyway. every, all, <laughs> all 23 of them. Like if you called me tomorrow and you were like, or, you know, you, you, you ended up in jail because you uh, punched your neighbor out 
Mm. Very. This is a hypothetical, but very, very could easily happen to Maddie K. Yeah, I have a hair trigger temper. If you if you posted that on um, Facebook, you might get a couple thumbs up, hearts, or I'm there for you, Matt. (laughs) Thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, likes. But, But if you if you called up me, right? Yeah, I would. And you said, "Listen, I don't have anyone. I need I need someone to uh, post bail for me or come and help me out." Of course, I wouldn't help you out. This is this is a hypothetical. No, I'm I'm joking. Well, I, mean, I would you come. Would. No. Yeah. Right. No. I would come up to Massachusetts <laughs> and I would help you out, right? Yeah. Because I'm a I'm that a, kind I'm of a friend. I'm not a, I'm not a Facebook friend. I'm a right. friend friend. Right. 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 So so there is this. Um, there's this dichotomy and i think as a society we have to ask ourselves is like what what not only of what value is facebook bringing but like what negative aspects are they bringing to uh, even instagram and having people constantly compare themselves against other people and there we spoke about this before there's statistically for young kids um there are more young girls that are being admitted to um uh emergency rooms from cutting themselves because of this constant comparison culture within Instagram. Uh, so it is, you know, well, it's, I'm not everything's even, yeah, free. Yeah, we talked about but, that. And, you know, I to get back to what, like, Aaron's kind of talking about, I mean, Facebook has its value. I use Facebook. I use Instagram. And, and some stuff on there is great. Like, I've gotten in touch with people, you know, in the acting world or, or like, there's something called the Frugal Filmmaker that uh, I'm on a page about. And uh, there's also like New England filmmakers and it's good. Like, Hey, you're shooting something or, you know, I got in touch with this guy who's a DP who uh, saw the trailer for the short film. And, you know, he was like, Hey, I'd be interested in, you know, maybe doing something. And that's great. I mean, there are definitely upsides to Facebook, Yahoo, Instagram, no question. It's just, do you need to work 80, 90 hours a week. Like you're not a surgeon. It's the importance. Be like, you know, you if you're not working 80 hours a week d- developing some dumb thing for Facebook or Yahoo or trying to sell more ad space or whatever they do, then you're a failure. And it's just so stupid. I mean, I mean to me, it's like it's not that important. Facebook is not that important. And it's kind of But even but even even for something important with the, your example of a surgeon, like, do you want a surgeon work working a thirty hour shift and no. hour twenty eight he's no. operating on you? Right, and it or is she's totally operating on you. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want a pilot who's you know work, he just flew back from Mumbai and has gotten uh, two and a half hours of sleep in the past forty hours. I don't want that that gentleman or lady piloting my. Um, my airplane no. to fall asleep. No. But, I, you know, I, I, again, I just think a lot of this is so ego-driven. Like, what I'm doing, and, you know, it's like I'm telling my friends, I'm grinding, I'm working 80 hours a week. Like, I don't really care. Like, if you have to work 80 hours a week, maybe you're not that good at what you do, or you just waste a lot of time and energy on nothing. Like, what? Well, I think it comes down to what we value in society, right? Like, what, what do you... It's sad, but right now, what we value in society is we value success. We we value money. We value monetary success, right? So when you when you go and meet someone, you go to a party, you go to a 
function or whatever, what's one of the first things someone asks you? Yeah, what do you what do? do you what do you do? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's probably the first or second question. And then based on what you say, they're gonna judge you. You know? Well, what do you do? Well, I um, you know, I like to uh paint murals on sidewalks. You know? And <laughs> usually met with say, silence. <laughs> so yeah, well silence, but like we'll immediately judge that person. But let's say, you know, this person's uh doing this for 20, 30 years. This individual, this artist paints one mural that opens up the hearts and minds of tens of millions of people around the world, and that person dies, right? And then we value that person. But we immediately judge because they're not making any money because they're they're painting murals on sidewalks. Yeah. But we'll value someone who's a hedge fund, right? Who could make a hedge fund manager who makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year, but is a complete asshole, a complete jerk to his employees, to his family, to his friends. But he's held in such high self-esteem, uh, high esteem because he makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, no, I know. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we've talked a lot about that. It's, I guess it's just to me like this whole, you know, it exists on two levels. One is people bragging about how many hours they work a week. And if you're not working as much as I am, then you're a slacker. You know, if, if you only work 40 hours a week and I'm working 70 hours a week, I'm grinding. You know, it's sort of like, I don't really care. You know, I, again, are you really working to put that word into quotes? Like, what are you really doing? Secondly, yeah, what are you really doing? Like, again, you work for Yahoo, you work for Facebook, like who cares what you do? You know, who, I mean, if you enjoy it, that's great. But like, stop acting like you're changing the world because you're not. You work for an internet company or something like that. And that that's fine. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that, but just stop acting like you're the second coming, you know, and you're changing the world. What I love are these, uh, these mission statements that um, she found. One is from Spotify. You know, Spotify, you get to listen to music. Now, that that's a wonderful thing. That's a great thing that people can do that. Music is a wonderful thing to have access to. But they... Their mission statement is to unlock the potential of human creativity. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's a place to listen to music. Like, just call it what it is and don't tell me you have to work 100 hours a week on it. It's not – it's important, but it's you can go – you know, you can turn on the radio or go on YouTube or whatever and listen to a lot of music. And that that's wonderful. Again, that is wonderful, but – uh, the one for Dropbox, this was, this is unbelievable. I hesitate to say it's my favorite because she only had two. Dropbox is for sharing files. That's what you do with Dropbox. That, that, that's it. Pe period. Okay. Sharing files. No, 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 it isn't. It's to unleash the world's creativity by designing more enlightened ways of working. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> No, it isn't. It's just file sharing, Matt, and it's you're it's being a, you're being so cynical, Matt. It's a it wonderful uh, convenience to be able to do that. That's that's great. But again, like Yahoo, Facebook, like Facebook, people are looking at kittens wrestling a duck. I mean that that's fine, yeah, you know. That's what it is. That's a that's nice thing. <laughs> I I look at those nature 
things that they're great, you know, with like ducks playing with a little lion cub. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. But like you're working 80 hours a week on that and that that's what we're getting or Facebook live is quite nice and everything, but I guess that's my problem with it. Like, you know, again, it's the ego thing. Like what I'm doing is so important that I've got to work. Not only do I have to work 80 hours a week at it, I have to tell everyone how hard I'm working and I have to grind and hustle, hustle. I'm always hustle. I love the, the, the hashtag hustle culture. Oh, this is my favorite too. TJ, TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Uh, what is it? The rise and grind. I'm a rise and grinder, lusty for Monday mornings. <laughs> See, I like Erin Griffith because she's very obviously she works hard. I mean, she you know she's worked for Wired and all of that, but she seems to have a healthy perspective. She says right. Oh, I love this cucumber water. We got to do a podcast on that. Where the hell did that come from? It's Wait, in- this is the don't stop when you're tired, stop when you're done? Yeah. Now, let me say this. Yeah. I stopped. That, that's well- that's that's in, you know, that's WeWork. That's right. where I have my offices. Yeah. I stopped I, well I drink that cucumber water. I, I stop well before I'm tired. I just kind of zone out <laughs> way, um, way stop, before yeah. that. Stop before you're tired. For Manny, he stops before he begins. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he talks right. himself out of it <laughs> this is before all predica- they even start. This is all predicated on the notion that I started anything <laughs> in the first place, which is really... Oh, here she goes. Never once at the start of my work week, not in my morning coffee shop, line, not in my crowded subway commute, not as I begin my bottomless inbox slog, have I paused, looked to the heavens and whispered, thank God it's Monday. See, that is the (laughs) honesty that is quite refreshing. You know, like, let's, uh, what is this? Oh, Rise and Grind. That's a book. Uh, Wait, it's both the theme of a Nike ad campaign and the title of a book by a Shark Tank shark. Oh, we're going to have to read that one. Rise and Grind. Um, well, I'll say this. I'll start the book. And then, well, yeah. to be honest, I probably you, won't even do that. So You, you quote unquote, may start the book. Oh, forget, all right, you might, forget all you that. You read the title. <laughs> See, so also, I, also, I am the antidote for all of this. <laughs> you understand? You, are. you know, I just... Come on, like what's I? What is um? You ma- you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Well, before we get into Gary Vaynerchuk, I, I'm suggesting that if anybody is part of this hustle culture, this this hashtag rise and grind, and you're looking for a cure, you yeah. take a we'll we'll take a little bit of Maddie's blood, Maddie K's yep. blood, <laughs> and inject inject you as kind of like a venom, right? To yeah. like you yeah. get a snake bite. And, yeah. and you need a cure. If you just get, I'm going to say, if you get one eighth of a pint of Matty K's blood coursing through your veins, problem solved. It's an inoculation. You will, you will pull back on the reins like nobody's business. You'll show yeah. up to work at maybe 11 15 ish. You'll take a, a nice long nap during lunch. Yeah. And then, you know, the whistle's going to blow at about, what, about 3 10, Matt? 3 3 yeah. 15? Yeah. And then you're going to you're gonna slog home. Yep. You're going to just 
barely make it to the to the couch, collapse on the couch with a bag of Cheetos <laughs> and a big liter of Coke, yep. and then drift off into bliss. Uh, you may have to stop on the way home for a pizza or some, oh, right, some right. sort of fa- – well, you can have it delivered. You can have it delivered. So yeah, have it delivered. Have it delivered. Occasionally, I've called a little bit late. And then I have to stay awake for the pizza delivery, which gets a little, it throws <laughs> me off. Brutal. But you know what? That could be brutal. I powered through. I powered through. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. determination. Power through. That's right. Grind. What is, uh, what's 1.37 p.m.? Do you know what that is? So th- so that's a content company that's created by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, it's basically, um, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a geared towards men. It's very much like there's a there's another hustle newsletter. It's all about <laughs> it's it's all about like um, glorifying this hustle lifestyle. No, not just not just in work, but also athletes. And yeah. here again, it comes down. There are there are truths to this, right? So you take someone like LeBron James. LeBron James is possibly one of the best basketball players that have ever lived. He is athletically gifted, uh, genetically gifted, but he's put in an inordinate amount of hard work. The guy is still to this day is constantly working out. Um, You know, he's taking tens of thousands of free throws. He's practicing all the time. And that has resulted in his his dominance and his greatness in basketball. Right. So without hard work, he wouldn't be at the level that he's at. Right. Right. So there are there are there are pieces of truth in, into the, all of this stuff. Like I'm not, we're not saying not to work hard. We're we're just lifting the veil. This is like the Wizard of Oz, right? There's someone behind the, the curtain controlling this, and you could be being duped. Well, you know, he obviously loves what he does, and um, you know, if that's your whole life, if your life is what you do, you know, you're a basketball player or you know, you're a filmmaker, you're a writer, whatever it is, I guess it's like just doing it for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Like uh, just doing it because like you're told you have to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and when you don't really own it, you know, it doesn't, I I don't know. It's like, yeah, you're right. Duped, I guess is the best word. I I think that's kind of what. But if it, but if it brings you enjoyment, right? Like if you love to read, right. And you, read all the time in you know in general that's a that's a good habit right if you um like to smoke cigarettes and you smoke (laughs) you know three packs a day we all know what's eventually going to happen to you you're gonna you're gonna die a a grisly death that's not a great habit you know and the same thing too if you work a hundred hours a week and enjoy it i mean you know, there are studies done. Eventually, you're going to burn out, and it's not going to be good mentally, physically, spiritually for you. It's, it's just that's just what it is. Yeah. There, there's no, there's nothing to be like. I've worked very hard on projects where I've had sprints, where I've worked crazy weeks, but then I take a break, I take a rest, and I, I think I'm fairly mentally sane. Uh, yeah. Well, that 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 that's, that's a big debated. question mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, for instance, also in the article, uh, they talk about David Hansen. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. The co-founder of Basecamp, which is a software company 
and he's author of a new book called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, who I'm going to try to get on the podcast. Uh, and I've used Basecamp in the past. It's kind of like a Slack. Uh, it's a project management um, software cloud-based solution. And what's interesting about uh, Basecamp is they, they're headquartered in Chicago, but they have uh, uh, employees all around the world. I think they have employees in over 35 cities or maybe over 40 cities where employees can essentially work from home, set their own schedule. So the value that they bring to their company is uh, measured in um, you know what they bring, not uh, or, or like what they achieve and what goals they uh, achieve and so on and so forth, not sitting at a desk and logging uh, 15 hours a day. So if David in Prague, who's a programmer, can write a piece of code that improves the UI or infrastructure of Basecamp in three hours as opposed to three days, he is uh, he's lauded for that. That that's that's an accomplishment. So I think that you know we're, we've been universally trashing on uh, companies, which is which is what we do. But there are. Uh, there are these bright spots out there, you know, like Basecamp, which is this kind of, um, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different model for a business. It's kind of like a decentralized business that works. Basecamp is very, very popular, very profitable, and it's a distributed workforce. Well, um, yeah, we're just about uh, 53 minutes. So um, if I would wrap this up, uh, I do like her reference to Office Space, which is uh, 20 years brilliant, old. Now. Brilliant movie. Awesome yeah. movie. And it says, from, the, from this vantage, Office Space, the Gen X slacker Heian that came out 20 years ago next month, feels like science fiction from a distant realm. It's almost impossible to imagine a startup worker bee of today confessing, as protagonist Peter Gibbons does, it's not that I'm lazy. It's just that I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care about this. Like, I don't care about developing some new piece for what. Well, one of my favorite lines from that is uh, he has this neighbor, uh, Peter Gibbons, who's played by Dietrich Bader, and uh, who is also in Veep, which I got to say is a brilliant show. I'll give a plug for that. Uh, but he's taught Peter Gibbons is talking to him and uh, Dietrich Bader's character, just like he's a day laborer. He doesn't really do that much. And he goes, uh, <clears throat> he's talking to him. He goes, you know, if I had a million dollars, I just wouldn't work at all. I wouldn't do anything. And Dietrich Bader goes, you don't need a million dollars for that. My cousin don't do shit and he's broke. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go. Like, you know, just, uh, uh I was talking to this guy, uh, Brett, he and his wife run this independent movie theater in Weymouth, Massachusetts, and that's where we showed the short film. And I was there early, and I was talking to Brett about coming on the podcast, and he he wants to listen to it a little bit. And uh, you know, he I, I could I could understand why he's worried. I am a you're nobody you're a, wants host. yeah. Whenever I try to sell this podcast, people are just like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> It's not even I'll think about it or just get away from me. Just get away from me. Don't email. So, um, you know, he said like he, you know, 
I, I haven't gotten the whole backstory yet, but, um, you know, for he and his wife, it's a labor of love. They do it at night. It's not their primary job. And he said, you know, he said he just kind of realized, uh, he didn't need that much stuff. Like he didn't need to make that much money. He didn't need to buy all this, you know, all these things and whatnot. And I don't know what he does for his day job, but, uh, you know, we were just kind of talking in general and about working and things and, uh, commuting and all of that. And he said, yeah, you know, you just sort of realize you don't need all this stuff. And once you kind of realize that, like, I don't need really a four bedroom house or a six bedroom house I could do with a two bedroom house. And, have less of a mortgage payment and less taxes to pay. And ergo, I'm not so stressed at my job. And it's like, like that is, ra- I mean, that to me seems rather common sense, but I suppose, you know, again, and we, I don't want to belabor this point again, but you know, it's like I make $5,000 a month. I'm going to spend $5,000 a month, like my car payment, my mortgage, this, that. So like, I think this became very apparent with the government shutdown, um, how many people live paycheck to paycheck and not extravagant lifestyles, I wouldn't say, but even people who make, I remember our mutual friend, Tony, uh, you know, years ago we were talking about this and he said some, many of the people who earn a lot of money are broke. They just spend all of it. It's like, if I'm making five grand a month, I'm going to get a $3,000 a month apartment because I can afford it, and I'm going to have this gym membership, and maybe I'll lease a car, and I'm going to spend that $5,000, but that means I got to live paycheck to paycheck, instead of like, okay, I'm going to go out to Queens and get a $2,000 a month apartment, and I'm going to forget the car, or maybe I'll just buy a used one, and not, you know, it's like, I guess if you're working all those hours, and you're not that thrilled about your job, you got to just, this is what Joe Rogan was saying about uh, he was talking to Macaulay Culkin on his podcast and Macaulay Culkin turned down the big bang theory. He was asked to be on that. And, you know, he just said he didn't really want to get involved in network television. And, you know, that, that show has been wildly successful. And Joe Rogan was talking about being on news radio, which I loved. And he was great on that show. And then he was talking about being on fear factor, but he just said it was so boring. Like it was so boring. Like he would wait around all day to basically have two lines in an episode. And he said, these people spend, they were talking about Johnny Depp. That's how this came up. And, you know, all the money he spends and all of that. And, and Joe Rogan was like, it's, it's so boring. Like that's what people, like apparently he hated working on Fear Factor, but they paid him a lot of money. But he eventually quit because he just said, it's so boring. Like it's so much nothing that people really aspire to. I mean, they to be the host of Fear Factor, you know how many people would line up for that job? But, oh, yeah. You know. Well, he, I think I think just going back to what you were saying is I think the entire, um, I think society, the entire ad- advertising industry is, you know, telling you that you're, you know, you're worthless and there's, you know, there's something wrong with you and you're subhuman and you deserve that new BMW. You deserve that. Uh, five bedroom, 5,000 square foot house, you know, here's credit cards, you know, put it on credit, you know, you'll, you can do it. And people overextend themselves. They believe that messaging. And as you, you know, as you get a little bit older in life, like you and I, Matt, we, you know, we can see the illusion, like, and 
it, it, you just tell this to people, but you actually have to experience is happiness is not derived from things. It's derived from connections and experiences. Relationships. And, and relationships. Yeah. True, true, lasting, you know, contentment and happiness. Um, so, and the whole irony is, circling this back to this article, is as you work longer and longer hour to acquire things that you don't need or want or will not bring happiness, you are degrading your relationships and your connections for crap that you don't want. I, uh, I think I think we should end it on there. But we're trying to also make money on this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. BMW, if you would like to advertise, anybody, definitely anybody, reach out. Yeah, whatever. Reach out to either Matt or I, Marlboro, uh, Philip Morris, a vape companies. <laughs> yeah, uh, a Budweiser, um, <laughs> any, any, any kind of pharmaceutical company. Anybody, uh, if you're selling a pill. Anybody. And you want people to uh, buy it en masse to cure we'll loneliness? It. Yeah, whatever. I actually read it. I actually read an article that uh, scientists are trying to develop a pill to cl- to cure loneliness. Oh, it's called alcohol. Yeah. It's alcohol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll t- I would t- I would just take a handful of those pills. That's right. In the morning, <laughs> just just down. Just speaking of. Um, you know, before we end the podcast, Matt and I, we have spoken about starting a Patreon account because our friend uh, Drew Ackerman of the, what's his podcast called? Sleep With Me? Yeah. Um, he uh, he had a Patreon account and he has convinced us to do so. So we are in the process of doing that and we're going to come out with uh, special perks for our uh three listeners out there mm-hmm. that can get you get episodes that are ad free pre-releases we might come out with mugs t-shirts maybe a phone call with maddie and i a We're personalized still the- daily affirmation just for you oh yes daily right. affirmations i forgot so uh, let's that, say that's your name is Stephen bright you'll get uh, an instagram video that says hey Stephen bright this is John and Matt from the Working Experience. You're doing a great job, buddy. Keep it up, <laughs> huh? And there you go. There, that's that's the pill right there. That you oh you can ride that donkey for a for at least a month, and you can right? keep playing it. You can keep playing it over and over again. That's right. the beauty of it, you know. And you can you can con- continue to hustle. That's your fuel. That's your hustle fuel. Even if your wife hates your guts and your boss is telling you what a pathetic sack you are and your co-workers are stabbing you in the back you just look at that video boy total it's it's like a it's like its own every um, day and 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 i would also recommend playing that to your wife three inches from her face (laughs) and the same thing for your same thing for your boss play that about three inches from his face maybe i tanked that project but listen to this (laughs) these guys think I'm pretty moving special. Huh? Uh, I'm, I'm moving up in the world. <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay, on, uh, on that note. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start sending you some swag. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Working Experience. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. 
And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john, J-O-H-N, at onecirclemedia.com or DM me on Instagram at John Brancaccio, J-O-H-N-B-R-A-N-C-A-C-C-I-O. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening to another episode of The Working Experience.